warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles, Juan on the buttons, El Producer Juan. Looking good in his uh, plaid and his hair's all did. And Blue flannel. Looking good. Juan, uh, Jim is also here this evening, checking the door, making sure no one breaks in. He looks pretty regular, Security. Pretty Pretty normal. Pretty regular. With Jim, the Catholic Man Show hat. That, uh, the original classic Catholic OG. Man Show hat. That's Can't a nice OG. hat. Yeah. Can't even get that hat anymore. Yeah. That's how big, that's how big time that it, boom, there it is on, yeah. on the Look video. At Look at that. I have a few left. He has a few left. Reach oh. out to Jim if you want one. He can possibly oh. get you one. We also have a very distinguished guest this evening. I'm, I'm excited to have... Dr. Aaron Henderson here from the Alcorn Institute of Catholic Culture in the Diocese of Tulsa in Eastern Oklahoma. Aaron, great to have you here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Pleasure. Feels good to be a doctor, probably, right? I mean, like it that's does. Cool. It's it's a. I don't want to say it's an ontological change, but it's an ontological sure. change. Sure. I become a new kind of creature, so it's fun. You know, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's indelible. Yeah, an indelible mark. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't take it away. I mean. Nope. What, one of the things that uh, when so you you just recently moved here to the diocese of Tulsa. I did, yeah. I moved uh, in, I guess, at the end of uh, July, actually, and then started with the institute in August. And he actually works right across the hall from me. He's the 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 office right across the hall, and so I do. Uh, so one of the great things about having you here at the diocese is that in the morning time, I will be I'll come over to you and be like, "Listen, Aaron, I've been thinking about this all weekend." what is the answer to this question? And I'll like give it to you because it wears me out. And then you are like, well, there's Which two is more essential in the peanut. Yeah, th- there's two, is it the peanut there's two, or the chocolate? There's two like, things you could think about. Which is the most essential element there, <laughs> yeah. please. I like, I have to know. And yeah. You got to make distinctions, right? Right. So you, you, you draw it out and you, uh, you, you're able to give me the answer. It, it's very, it's a huge perk of working in the diocese. When you have, I have a Dr. Malosh, Right next door to me, I have uh, Dr. Henderson right across the hall from me. So I have like two theologians right across, you know, right all around me within the work areas where I can I can ask uh, questions. So I thoroughly enjoy having you at the diocese. You're a huge uh, a huge benefit to the diocese already. You've had some Socratic dialogues within within. Uh, That's right. Um, you know the diocese. You had a, a great uh, lecture series at. Um, in Stillwater. Oh yeah, that was awesome. With uh, with Father Brian O'Brien, a, a, a frequent guest on the Catholic Man Show. Father Carey, uh, yeah. And Father Carey McCoolish. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. so, uh, you you've been nothing but a, a a great benefit to the diocese, and we're really excited. I've told you this from you know, when you first started. Like, I'm just really pumped 
to see where the Tulsa, the, the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma is in like five years. Yeah. Because it seems like we have all the right people in, in play to move forward, and we have the bishop with the vision of, of understanding mm-hmm. like the importance of Catholic culture and, ha- and, and reviving the Catholic culture um, from a, a grassroots stance. Um, and it's happening. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's not something that's, uh, oh, I hope that this takes takes root. Like, it's like, no, 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 it's already happening. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, when I go to different events and stuff, I will uh, tell the people, like, you may not even realize just how much you have going on in the diocese. And I'm not trying to talk up the Institute when I'm saying that. I just mean all kinds of stuff. Um but sometimes I'll say, okay, the stuff that you all have going on in your diocese, but it's our diocese now, you know, I'm mm-hmm. part of this thing. Uh, and yeah, I'm very excited about things the Institute is doing. Uh, working with Dr. Malash is wonderful. Uh, working with yourself at the Chancery, Deacon Garlic, you know, all the people. Uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, if you go to the alquininstitute.org, you can check mm-hmm. out some of the musings and essays that not only you have written, but... Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, Dr. Malosh, Eli Stone. There's a bunch of guys who've, uh, Joey Spencer. Yep. Joey's been on our show when we talked about angels, which yeah. is a great, That's uh, pretty cool. a, a great episode. Dr. Malosh has been on the show when we talked about the Reagan bird, Reagan birds address. Nice. I'm excited for the Charlemagne ball. I'm yeah, that, that should be great. That. So yeah, we have that on uh, February 26th. So if everyone wants to, anyone who wants to come, you know, if you want to take your spouse out for a good date or something, mm-hmm. uh, good night of dancing, and they even have dance lessons available. Mm-hmm. So it's I'm going be a good to a couple. Of the, I'm going to a couple of the dance lessons because I don't. Nice. I don't actually know how to waltz. I, I, I don't either. I have yeah. watched people waltz, and I, like I know how to fake waltz. You know, <laughs> yeah, like. They get to just, make just, kind of like just kind of make, like a, make a swing, square, like the, the, yeah, like kind of spin in a square, yeah, right? Exactly, yeah. But I want to learn how to actually do it. I think I learned in the eighth grade. So let's see if I can revitalize my eighth grade knowledge of yeah. of dancing. Nice. So yeah. for those, I, I hope you can. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, uh, uh, Aaron. It, for those who do not know, maybe listening to the first time to the Catholic Man Show. Um, maybe you can give a rundown of what the Alquin Institute is, why, yeah. what, what the purpose is, and, and, and why it's unique to the diocese. Yeah, of course. So um, in 2018, the bishop kind of had this pastoral plan for the entire diocese, and that included revitalizing Catholic education and culture. So the Alquin Institute is part of that initiative, a large part of that initiative. And so that's what we're trying to do, revitalize education and culture in the diocese, um, and we take as our patron, as our inspiration, as our, you know, uh, figurehead, uh, Blessed Alcuin of York. So he's not super well known, I don't think, but on, under Emperor Charlemagne, he was kind of the guy who tried to revitalize culture and education in the empire. So this is, this is a pretty important figure. Um, and he kind of had these different uh, approaches that we try to exemplify in the Institute. So one of the things was he realized that we had to have contact with reality, which is exactly what we're going to talk about tonight, right? So, uh, you know, he did repopulate the the forests of Europe with boar and with deer uh, to get people kind of outside, this emphasis on outdoor culture that I know, you know, Richard Malosh likes a lot, um, but also for a practical purpose because they needed things to write on and things to write with, so, you know, he has these speculative things in mind. We need contact with reality, but also these practical things. Because they use deer hide to write on. It. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, that's right. Vellum and, and then used uh, the boar hair to write with mm-hmm. or to make brushes and so forth. 
I tried to convince Dr. Malosh to start a printing press. Okay. Like yeah. an old school vellum. Yeah. Like, you know, the Alcorn Institute Press. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Where they're actually printing books on deer hide. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an art. You know, it's an art form. It'd be a big book, though. Yeah, it would. <laughs> um, and then the, the second thing was he realized that we had to have recourse to the wisdom of the past. Not just can we, which is another part of probably what we'll talk about tonight. Like, can St. Thomas, for instance, this 13th century author, can he say anything to us today? Because you might think no. I mean, you know, we already tend to think that our grandparents and great-grandparents, I mean, you know, they were outdated. Their ideas are old. They're washed mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Right? You might think that. Alcuin didn't think that, and we don't think that at the Alcuin Institute. And so he opened these centers of learning where they meticulously copied these ancient texts, right? So barbarian invasions and stuff had, had kind of uh, destroyed a lot of these wonderful works, but what Alcuin could sal- salvage, he did. And so we're thankful for him for that. Uh, and then finally, he knew that learning always took place in the context of friendship. So the Alcuin Institute, we really try to highlight that. So at our events... We'll have good food, good drink. We, we come together as friends, journeying toward the truth together. So I think that's really important, and I think it's something that we at least try to do well, uh, and we've seen some good good results. So, In fact, you guys do it so well that we're, we're partnering with you at St. Michael Catholic Radio uh, to have right. a speaker series. So um, for those who are here in Tulsa, you guys know that we have a speaker series every month where we bring in a guest. Um, and so this year we're partnering with the Alcuin Institute. So every guest that we bring in, we realized, hey, the Alcuin Institute is so good at, at the, the virtue of hospitality, of, of welcoming, of, of, um, you know, of good food, good drink. And so mm-hmm. um, we're partnering with you guys for all of these to where you guys provide the food, the drink, uh, we provide the speaker, and we do this together in the diocese. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think it's going to be an awesome uh, collaboration. Yeah. So speaking of drink, this is something that we do every episode. Indeed. If this is the first time listening, we open, review, and enjoy a beverage. Uh, this year, or uh, th- this evening, I'm sorry. This, this year, year we're drinking a lot. This year we're doing <laughs> something different. Yeah. It's the year of a Th- This will <laughs> last us all year. Right. Well, you know what? With how strong it is, it could possibly. So this this uh, episode, we're, we're drinking Elijah Craig's single barrel, but this is a, a private barrel. So this is very interesting, um, and it's something like if you are uh, – in with the liquor stores in your area you can possibly get. So this is something that I, I have learned that if you are if you become buddy buddies with oh, some wow. of the big liquor store and you give them your number and they get something unique, they'll call you and hold it for you. One of the things that they held for me was this Elijah Craig single barrel. It's a private barrel. So the liquor store bought a full like a barrel from Elijah Craig and then they bottle it. So it says it's a private barrel from for 2021 Aspen Liquor, which is nice. the, the liquor store here in Tulsa. And it gives the barrel number. Uh, so the idea is, is that it's barrel proof, right? It's uncut. There's no uh, extra, extra water added to it. Uh, it is straight right. from, you know, it's uncut. The angel share is gone, but it yeah, is, is poured in. So it is uh, 97%, uh, a little over 97% uh ABV. It's pretty so, heavy. Yeah. Pretty so heavy. what we're going to do is we're going to try it, and then we may add a little bit of water to kind of open it up because odds are it's going to be pretty hot. So when we get back, we will add a little bit of water, but uh, in the meantime, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass and cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Cheers.
Have you ever wanted to go to Ireland and tour County Cork or have a beer in Dublin or see the Cliffs of Moher? Well, we are partnering up with Select International Tours and we are planning a, a Ireland pilgrimage this year. Go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow and we will keep you posted on everything that's going on. Uh, Ireland is one of the places that you are able to travel to, whether you have a vaccine, whether you don't have a vaccine. Uh, there's no quarantine. All you have to do is have a negative test within a couple days. So anyway, we're, tra- we're, we're planning a trip to Ireland. We would love to have you there. Go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. And let's have a beer together and cheers to Jesus in Ireland. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Here with Adam Minahan, Dr. Aaron, we got Jim and Juan. It's a full house today. Mm-hmm. We're really rocking it hard. We're drinking this almost 100% Elijah Craig. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I said 97%. I meant 67%. Switched my nines and sixes. When you said that, I immediately picked up the bottle and I was like, are you serious? This is almost 100%. And I looked at it and I was like, I apologize. 67%. I had not even been drinking before that. we're drinking moonshine. 67 and a quarter percent, to be specific. Yes. Yes. Which is still strong. It is is. extremely strong. It's it's definitely strong. It is is much better with a couple drops of water, for sure. Because, you know, you're looking at like 128 proof right there. It is is a... I think it it says on there. It is bold. 134.5. Yes. Oh, mm. you're right. It does say because that would be right on there. 67 and a quarter times two is That's not right. 128. <laughs> yep, it's 135. Almost, almost. You know what I was doing? I was like, all right, it's four, 17. Anyway, I don't have to tell you what yeah. I was doing. Yeah, I just did, did it wrong. I just was right. bad math. What you did yeah, was no wrong. Problem. It was just way wrong. Yes, I okay. did that on purpose, Adam. So to that, like cover, to make me feel, feel better, like, better. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate it. This is why we're friends. I know math. All right. This is why we're friends. Sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People have different gifts. But then so. the doctorate here in the house is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it says on the bottle. Like, <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it says on the bottle, you're Look, an idiot. Right. <laughs> I, I've gotten used to reading things carefully. Yeah. I guess that's... He does. He, uh, he, uh, so he one of the things that uh, Dr. Henderson did, which I was very grateful for, was he uh, proofread some of our book that is coming out. Mm. I did. Uh, I'm very sorry about that. No, it was great. I'm glad uh, well, you guys he, are he only, making it. He only did the the one my my chapter. One I chapter. Was, yeah. I was very self conscious about it. Oh, so he didn't do any of yours. But um, praise God. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> there was not enough ink in this world. <laughs> right. No, I'm just joking. Uh, so uh, so there are a couple things that I want. There's to... no sense in like criticizing something that can't be changed. Right. Because yeah, it too is too late. Is basically locked in. It is too point. late. Yeah. Locked uh, in. Uh, so there's a couple things that I, I want to talk about before we, we get into the uh, the gear this evening. Okay. One thing is that uh, if you're listening right now, we are giving away a hardback Summa. We're giving a five-volume mm-hmm. set of the Summa Theologica. Uh, it is... Um, it's really, really a beautiful set. So, well, I mean, like the binding, the... It's it's all really, 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 really nice. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you go to thecatholicmanshow.com slash summa, there are multiple ways of being able to enter. Uh, and so we're, we'll be, next week we'll be um, drawing the winner of, of this giveaway. But we're also giving away a second set. We're giving away two sets. That, mm. that set and the second mm. set we're giving away is... Uh, Anybody who, who joins uh, our, our, our Patreon, anybody who supports the show, 100% of what you support 
goes back into the show. Dave and I do not take any of the uh, money for ourselves Correct. or for our children. So, um, or do you know? And be, you know, I have five. Well, on the way, number five on the way. So, so I have like a lot of kids. Last I, thought, week, I thought you meant you had five on the way. I wow, you're five. That would, your that wife is, my wife is quintuplets, right? Is that what it is? Quintuplets. Like, what is it? Quintuplets. Yeah, quintuplets. It's like not sextuplets, which would be the most ironic six. number, you know, to have on the way. But yeah. but uh, Lady Pamela is pregnant. She is. Last week you kind of hinted at that, and then I kind of backtracked. I didn't hint at it. I was said creating it. a hypothetical scenario. <laughs> Asking for a friend. Asking, asking, yeah. I was asking for, <laughs> for a friend. Way to go right. on. Yes. So Lady Pamela is pretty. So anyway, so Thank if you, you. Yes, if you yes, go to patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show, uh, we'll be giving away another set of the Summa. Um, this is just another uh, way we're able to do so. And we did it because uh, catholicsacramentals.org hooked us up with Yes, a, so I was going to ask, is it available on Deacon Jay's website? Like, Could you go and look at it if you wanted to see it? Uh, Could you just go peek at it on his website? Do you well, think? You, can, you can peek at it at, on our website. Oh, the Catholic even better. TheCatholicManchers.com. Also, we do highly recommend CatholicSacramentals.org. Just to, like, if you want to get a sacramental, he doesn't support the, like, he's not a sponsor of our show, but um, Deacon Jay basically is, like, my spirit animal, I think. Um, at least he's, like, the spirit animal I, I, like, aspire to. Does that make sense? Yeah, he, he's a solid spirit animal. I, I mean, say. like, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like all of the stuff on his website is really awesome. Mm -hmm. He only sells awesome stuff. This is like the most awesome version of stuff that he has on his website. Catholic stuff. Catholic stuff. Yeah. The, the Summa is like an, the awesome version of a book. Yeah. So just today I was at Clear Creek Monastery and I was visiting with Father Nesbitt and I asked brother, him, father, father brother, brother, Father Nesbitt, you know, like people who listen to the show are familiar with Father Nesbitt. And I said, Father Nesbitt, if you could only have one book for the rest of your life, you could only read one book for the rest of your life besides the Bible, <laughs> obviously, what yeah. would it be? And he's like, well, as a monk, we pray the, the office, so I would really need the, the breviary. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fine. Besides the breviary, what would it be? And he thought, for only like four seconds. Which is fair, which is like... Light light year fast for a monk. Yeah. Four seconds is like usually it takes four years. So four right, seconds right, right, yeah. they're patient. You know, yeah, they, they, yeah. they're not in a hurry to ever. Get a no. conclusion at all. And he said the summa. Nice. It would that's be the summa. Solid choice. Which surprised me. Uh because like that's not I was expecting more like a spiritual you know, like yeah. maybe the life of uh the life of Christ, divine intimacy, yeah. uh you know, the soul of the apostle, you know, like something like that. The summa. He, yeah. I, I, he is, though, a big, he's a big summa guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, when you reflect on the mysteries of faith, as St. Thomas explains them, they conduce towards contemplation and prayer and all those kinds of things. There's not a divide between, right. like, the speculative and the practical, the contemplative and the active, those different things. There's, mm-hmm. there's complementarity. So. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, if you want to if you want to check one out, go to thecatholicmanshow.com slash summa. Dot com. Um, we we would like uh, to give that away to you if you would so, like. So okay. so we, we we need to get to the man gear today. Let's do it because I think this is really going to set the stage for a conversation. Okay. This evening, the man gear today is a a real life photo album, not like one on your browser, not on Facebook, not or on like, Facebook, or like Google Photos, not on Google Photos. Although it may start there, you know, that, that, that could be fine. I have some that have started on Google Photos. Um, 
But a real life on the shelf, maybe in the living room, maybe on the coffee table, photo album. You know, like, I'm 35, which is like older than I would like it to be. But I remember going to my grandmother's house. I bet you guys do too. And actually seeing the big photo albums. I grew up seeing them there. And I probably went through them over my life like 20 or 30 times, right? Mm -hmm. Enough where over the years when I would go and visit and I would go through them again, I'd be like, yep, I remember that picture. Oh, I remember that picture. That's a good picture. Like, oh, that's a funny picture. There's Uncle Bob. Right, exactly. And it wasn't, it became familiar to me. Right. But I still liked going through it because it was there. It was physically present for me. Yeah. And... I mean, like, I, I have looked at those pictures probably more than I've looked at any other picture. You know what I mean? Because it was... Including those on your phone. Because it was there. And I take, you know, today we take thousands of pictures a year. Yeah. Or whatever. However many it is. I have like 6,000 pictures on my phone, you know, and the ones from 2000, whatever, 16. I mean, have I looked at them? since then right probably not no unless yeah. i've been going through and saying like whoa what should i delete you know right like, so how did this very, one get saved yeah like, it's not a very intimate connection this is with a picture pictures. of a piece of paper yeah or food or mm. whatever you i know. didn't mean to save this recipe that was yeah. temporary well and and like as someone who had until recently was in grad school you would be amazed how many pictures of pages of books I have. Mm. Hundreds and hundreds. You know, it's like, oh, I don't have time to scan this or I don't, I can't buy this book because I'm, you know, I don't have money. So I'm going to take pictures in the library. I only need this one page anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I have just so many pictures of pages of books, some in English, some in other languages. And I'm like, why, why is this here? Why do I need this? So. Right. And so you're not married. No. Adam and I are both married. We have kids. The pictures uh, get crazy. They, get a lot of it's hand. exponential sure, yeah. once kids are born, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember when my oldest Elizabeth was born, Pamela, Lady Pamela, she would sit at home. I remember one day she took a hundred pictures of it was the exact same picture a hundred times. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, because you're just especially with your first, totally enamored. You cannot help yourself. Like this baby. It's the best baby of all. Like the, no baby has ever been like this before, yeah. right? This baby did like oh I oh my gosh! Did the baby just hold the bottle by itself? I think the baby is a prodigy. It, our baby is right. smart. Oh, it <laughs> smiled. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, that picture was me trying to get it smiling, right. but it only smiled for a second, and I wasn't quick enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. so. Anyway, but there's all these great pictures that we take, and we and like really, I think people are pretty good these days about capturing good mm-hmm. moments. Because we have the, you know, our devices are so handy and we can do that. But what's the point? Right. It's, it's on your phone. And I feel like we have adopted this mentality of like ownership or something where I captured the moment. Now it belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And so like, I've got it. I'm done. You know, like now it's mine to use as I will or mm. something. Right. And it was just making me think about about this and how there's all these great things and we feel like we've done something positive by taking all these great pictures, but there's no point to it. Yeah. Because they'll never be... The point of a picture is to look at it again. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, I've been to like a botanical garden and I was walking around and instead of actually looking at the plants and stuff, I was just taking pictures of the plants. And it kind of really hit me and I was like, 
what am I doing? You know, like now there's a temptation to take pictures because human memory is limited and not perfect. Whereas pictures in a certain respect are perfect as long as you maintain them. So there's that temptation. But if you lose track of that, that's a problem. I I have a perfect example. I went to Rome and I was going through all these great, beautiful churches, picture, 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 picture. Then we got to some of them that said no pictures. Yeah. Those are the ones I remember. Yeah. Because instead of like being on a mission to take pictures of everything, I actually sat there and Look. gazed yep. and took it in and I remember those it's an, I mean it's just incredible it's like don't take pictures of stuff <laughs> unless you want to put it in a photo album yes we'll be right back hey guys David Niles here for those of you who don't know for my day job I'm a financial advisor so I know firsthand how difficult investing can be that's why I was so excited when we met Mark Lozano founder and owner of Christ Centered Capital Mark's mission is to provide in-depth research and analysis on which companies and organizations align with Christian values and which ones don't. Of course, he's also seeking to provide investment recommendations and stock picks that have financial potential and are also aligned with Christian values. What I really love about what Mark is doing is that he's completely transparent about why a company might be a moral investment versus another one. He leaves it up to you so that you can make informed decisions. He's not just going to say, oh, this one's moral, this one's not. He'll give all of the reasons in the research that he's done with links to articles or whatever it may be, so that you can make the most informed decisions on your own investment portfolios. Because as Catholics, we have a duty to uphold Catholic values, and the same goes with our investments. So we want to be as virtuous as we can be, and Christ-centered capital is really invaluable. It's only $7 a month for you to go and sign up to get all of his recommendations and all of his research. To me, it's a no-brainer. If you're an investor and you want more information, go to ChristCenteredCapital.com and use promo code TCMS2022. That lets Mark know that we sent you, and you get one month free of Christ-Centered Capital Services, no obligations. ChristCenteredCapital.com, where do your values lie? Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show. If you're listening via radio, go to thecatholiccommandshow.com. You can check out... Uh, this full episode and all the other episodes that we have done, we've done over 300. We've now beaten Seinfeld, Friends, The Office. All of those did not have over 300 episodes. Uh, that's very impressive. So we have now beat all of them. <clears throat> We're looking for an Emmy this year. We'll see. We don't know yet. Uh, so go to thecatholicmansion.com. Uh, I mean, like, Juan almost spilled out his whiskey. If there. the governor of New York, I don't know what did he get an Emmy. I don't remember what he got, but it was something. It was something ridiculous. If he can get one, like we can definitely. We get we one. are way. We should be way higher. Whatever than that. it was, yeah. he got like we should get at least three of those. Okay, because yeah. yeah. he didn't even do anything. Right. In fact, he did. Yeah. No, I know right, he wrote right, a book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he ghost. He ghost wrote a book. Okay. <laughs> That's how I feel when you look at recipients of the Nobel Peace Prize. It's like yeah. really you can. Pretty much do nothing and get that prize. We're looking at you, Obama. Okay, <laughs> I didn't, look, you got I didn't elected say it. and you won a peace prize. Like. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so uh, before the break, we were talking about photo albums. Photo albums. We'll yes. Wipe the, uh, I just want to encourage people to like actually think about that and go out and do a photo album. You don't have to like make it a, like a huge project. Just go back. I mean, like, I think it would be nice to have. One for, a, like, if you wanted to do four a year, maybe that's too many. Uh, but, like, oh, here's spring mm-hmm. 2021, uh, f- uh, summer 2021, or just have, like, one a year, 2021. Mm-hmm. Go back and look at 
here's all the pictures from the year we took. Um, if you do use something like Google Photos, which now is more annoying than it used to be because they don't give you free storage anymore. Now you got to like pay for it. Pay I mean, like, like a chump. Ridiculous. I mean, yeah. like. Well, and, and, and there's really no excuse anymore, too, because like Adam was saying before, you don't have to go to the store and print off the pictures right. and, you know, find your glue stick and put it to, to paper. Mm-hmm. Right. You can go to whatever chat books, these these different companies. You just upload your pictures and it right. makes the book Shutterfly. for you. Now, I mean, I guess that makes it less intimate. You're not actually like kind of but you're still selecting the pictures and maybe write captions or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's super easy nowadays. But you do don't that. even, I don't even think like you have to make it that hard. Like think about the, the photo books we were talking about looking at our grandparents' house. It was literally like clear yeah. pages that you slipped a picture into. Cellophane yep. there was, or something. Yeah, yeah, there was no caption. There was no like f- cute border or what. I mean, it was just like, here's one picture. Yep. Here's the next. It might have something on the back, like 1967. Right, exactly. Right yeah. So, like, if you just wanted to make, like, hey, here's four pictures on every page, you know, like, in one photo album, you could do winter, spring, summer, fall, right, mm-hmm. uh, for each year. Yep. And you don't, you don't, the thing is, like, it's not the captions that make the photo album it's the photo. attractive or good to look. It's like, it's the people in it. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to look at them. And the fact that it's a fi- it has a physical presence there, like, on the shelf, kind of gives it more, it's, like, incarnated now, right? Yeah. And so, like, there's just something um, more beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. You took the picture for a reason now, not just, like, to, to make yourself feel good. Not not just for like the like chemical bump you get from taking a picture, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I mean. So so, so this uh, this evening, your the topic that you chose was realism. Yes. So the whole thinking about photo albums led me into this this question because I was sitting there thinking about digital photos, which led me to the thought: Are digital things real? Mm-hmm. And I had two answers to that question in my mind. Because it's like, well, I don't know if those are real, but I know that like my computer monitor is real. And my computer like my computer monitor can display the digital photo. Yeah. So on the one hand, if the digital picture is not real, then how does my monitor display it? So it must be real. But on the other hand, you can't touch it. That you know, like it doesn't exist somewhere. I know, like, oh, it exists on your hard drive, but like, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's pretty ethereal. Is you that, know, is that nominalistic? That's a good question. So, so is what nominalistic is is the well, idea? Well, what like, it, what I can't, is I can't nominalism? Touch, I can't. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. just we can talk about nominalism. Talk about nominalism first. Yeah. So, um, for you know, Latin nerds out there, right? Nomen in in Latin is name. So nominalism. There are kind of two forms of nominalism. One is kind of perennial and ancient. One is more contemporary, which we probably don't need to talk about. The contemporary one is about like uh, the existence of abstract objects. Mm-hmm. So in the field of mathematics and the philosophy of mathematics, this is a big topic. And I don't pretend like I know too much about that. But the question would be, yeah, are there abstract objects? Some people would say yes. Some people would say no. And there are imp- implications, ramifications of that. But the more traditional thing is, do universals exist? Is everything in the world particular? And this is a bit of a simplistic version of nominalism, but we kind of have to do that. So it's like, because you can't you know, dig into everything, but um, is everything in the world particular? 
Is there just that thing and that thing and that thing? Or are there like actually universal? This is this is this tree, or is there yes this? Well, or is there such as a tree? Is there well, treeness? Yeah. Is there treeness? That's or right. is there just this treeness? That's right, and that's before even getting into you know like finer distinctions, like where is treeness located? If you want to use that term, in trees, like I would say it's located. Okay, in trees, yeah. so say so yeah, you would answer that, and I would answer that too. But that that's kind of what's going on with nominalism. Um, it denies universals. It denies the essences of things. So is there such thing as dogness or catness? No. According so, to nominalism. Yeah. So William of Ockham, a famous example, you know, um, but you know, 14th century, uh, you know, Franciscan friar, uh, brilliant man, but, you know, has this nominalism and voluntarism, a lot of things that very much haunt his thought. But you can see the ramifications of this because if I go out and Adam, actually, I don't know if you have any pets or not. Do you have any pets? I, oh, you got brand a new pet. Brand new you pet. got a dog. I forgot yeah, about that. Molly. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So if I went out there and saw Molly, and then there's another dog present too, you could ask yourself, what connects these two things? Nothing. Well, f- for for the nominalist, it's by convention that we call these two things dog. But is there some dogness? Is there some essence? Is there some form of dog that somehow allows these things to be called dog no so it's by convention that we call these things dog i mean that's just like i can think of like at least two or three ways that that's just stupid okay yeah tell, tell me okay well on the one hand you're just saying that it's totally random that all of these things that convention calls dogs happen to be able to reproduce and they can't reproduce with anything else okay, right interesting okay point. so like that's just totally random that by convention that happens to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Also, just convention that they all look exactly the same. Okay? Like, they all have these paws. They all have these tails. They all have these mouths with T with, like, the same, like, a very similar dental pattern. Yeah. Like, the same skull, the same, like, like, they have all these things in common. No. That's coincidence also. It's just convention. No, I, I totally agree, especially when you get down to the nitty-gritty, like, the bone structure and all that, but you have to admit, a Chihuahua does not look much like a Great Dane. Right, but a Great Dane can still reproduce with a Chihuahua. It's it's that, like that, that would it's, be interesting. I, but yeah, I, I'm not sure like what happens there, but like I'm pretty. <laughs> it, it, it's not pretty. I'm pretty <laughs> sure actually that can still happen. Yeah, perhaps, if, so. if the if the chi- if the Chihuahua survives, you know. Yeah. So so yeah, your your appeal is to kind of like natural kinds into biology, and you're like, well, surely these are of the same kind because they can reproduce. I think that's pretty powerful. Now, yeah. nom- I think anomalous would say, okay, we call them these same words, you know, dog, cat, whatever, because we do see similar characteristics. It's like, but that begs the question, right? Well, what's kind of what's the foundation of these characteristics? Why do they have these characteristics? You know, you're you're kind of begging the question, and it, yeah. it's really not an out for a Catholic. Ultimately, it nominalism uh, rejects the idea that man is made in God's image because if if man, humankind, mm-hmm. doesn't have human like humanity in this mm-hmm. the thing that was given to us by god then you, well what's the difference between you and a dog well there's just like you're you and the yeah. dog is it and you know like you actually aren't any more special so this like all of a sudden you end up in heresy this is just the problem 
I, this is where I like depart from philosophy. I really like philosophy, like mm-hmm. as a hobbyist, not as like someone who actually does it very well. But when we start to get into some of these like stupid things in philosophy, it's like, yeah, yeah well, how about you're just an idiot? How about like how about that? Yeah. How about I don't need to respond to your stupid ideas? You well, know what I mean? Th- there's actually something to be said for that. I mean, like you know, we try to establish mm. common ground with people, and that's really good, and you know, for dialogue and so forth. Dialogue in the in the proper sense, but it's like Aristotle thinks after a certain point, like if there's no common ground left, like if someone tries to deny the principle of non-contradiction, either the person is going to say nothing. Or he's going to say something and undermine his very position. So if he says banana, he means precisely banana and not not banana, right? And so he undermines his very position in speaking. Or he's just going to stay quiet and look like a like an right, idiot, right? Yeah. And so he doesn't use the example of banana. That was my example. Okay, just to, just to be clear. But you get the point. We, we use candy as an example. Candy, in, uh, okay. Adam likes episode. candy. Exactly. Yeah, listen. Candy. I follow candy. Reese's, yeah, I follow that a lot Reese's easier. or not Reese's, yeah. yeah. So okay. anyway, that, that, but you get Especially the point. Especially in Exodus 90. He really likes candy <laughs> examples, yeah. But no, so, so I, like, back to, back to oh, like correct. the digital thing, like, yeah. that was my, you know, okay, if a digital thing isn't real, how's it displayed on the, on the monitor? But like, but kind of my other line of thinking was, well, there are ideas. Are ideas real? Mm. Ideas can be brought to fruition. They can become real. They have yeah. potential. They have all this potential for real for reality. Okay. Okay, and a digital thing kind of seems the same that like it's not real, but it has potential to become real. Yeah. You know, like I have ideas all the time. I have thoughts, but that doesn't mean like the like manifestation of that thought is real. Okay, so I had, I thought, really good arguments on both sides of this. Yeah. Uh, That's point. And I'd like to flesh them out. Let's flesh it out. On the Sounds other good. side of the break. Sweet. I'm pumped. Let's do it. We'll be right back. I don't know if you have this marked on your calendar, but March 2nd, that is when Lent begins. And if you listen to one of our recent episodes on fasting, you know that it is important to prepare yourself to fast before the Lenten season starts. And that's why we want to uh, encourage you to go to Exodus90.com. They have a Lenten program. It's Exodus Lent. And it is not like Exodus 90. It, uh, Unlike Exodus 90, you're able to take warm showers, huh? Huh? Warm showers and drink alcohol. And when you're with others, watch sports. But I wouldn't be fooled about this because uh, it's still a challenging 40 days in preparation for living the Christian life and the rest of your life. So go to Exodus90.com if you're looking for a way to make your Lent a more strenuous, a little bit more difficult of a Lent than what you're used to. Go to Exodus90.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. We're talking about realism. I just want to make a statement that if if this episode doesn't go well, we are all prepared to blame Deacon Archdeacon Harrison Garlic. Uh, Lord Lord Chancellor. His, his Lordship. Lord Chancellor. His Lordship Archdeacon Harrison Garlic. He, the first. He's Lord Chancellor and he's also Bud, right, Adam? He's, he's also Bud. I call him yeah. I, I do you do call, call people Bud. I do. He does. People don't like that. I thought I was special. I, I was going to say, Juan, does he call you Bud? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you I thought it was the only Bud in your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about realism. You should, do you call people Chief? 
No. Hey, the, back chief. at you, Chief. In, in, in 10 years, he'll be calling people right. Chief yeah. for sure. I, it's yeah. a progression. Yeah. Hey, Champ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're talking about realism. We're talking about realism. So, okay, so there's... Uh, so, Dave, you're talking about the... Uh, the idea, like our are digital ideas? things, real. So no, many no, things. No, no, no. You're talking about ideas. Like, all right. Now at this point, you're well. Talking that, about- this was my original thought. Are digital things real? So many things are digital now. There's non fungible tokens. Yeah. You know, like ev- like Bitcoin. <laughs> Is Bitcoin real? You know, like mm-hmm. there's all these Bitcoin fanatics. If you even tell them Bitcoin's not real, they will g- fly off. They will jump off a cliff. Yeah. To prove to you Bitcoin is real. And I'm not anti Bitcoin, right? I'm just just trying to address the digital world that we live in and like our what's there's a reality to it i want to know what it is right i think as catholics we should be firmly rooted in reality yeah i totally agree well it's interesting because this would open a huge can of worms so we can't do that but like for the thomas for instance even being itself not just not just the term but being is analogical so things don't exist in precisely the same way so adam and i were talking uh, before the show about aristotle's categories right you have substance and then you have nine you know predicables these nine accidental features of being like time and place and relation and all these things it's like do these have being in the same way do they exist in the same way no clearly not right right so when you ask the question it, are digital things real? Real in what way? Are they real in the way that you are real? No. No. Are they real in the way that your hair being, you know, the quality of your hair being brown uh, is real? No, it, it's a different kind of thing. Right. So, you know, first we probably need to make that distinction. There's there's kind of an analogy and not just univocity. But are they real in the way about, my hair is absent in the way that it used to be? That's a good question. The Lord has seen fit to tonsure me. Yes. It's well, a blessing. It, it, it's that, a blessing. That is a blessing. That's... Also, I'm already married, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, so are digital things real? I mean, that's a good question. I, I would say, yes, they have some sort of, uh, ne- needless to say, they have some sort of being. Right. Otherwise, you couldn't even, in principle, experience them. Right. So they have some sort of being. Uh-huh. But the question is, do they have, you know, is the kind of being that they have does that conduce, does that lead us towards knowledge in the same way that face-to-face contact with something leads us to knowledge? Mm. You know, like if you look at a tree on Google, is that going to lead you to knowledge, even if it does lead you to some sort of knowledge in the same way and with the same facility and all that, is actually going out to Yellowstone National Park, or I was thinking of Redwood, uh, actually, and seeing the trees, or just any tree. Or just any, any tree. I just wanted to mention mm-hmm. an impressive tree, but right. yeah, you get my point. And so that's maybe that's kind of what you're getting at. Like in this digital age, if we're in contact with reality in a kind of indirect way, and in the mind, we well, uh, we're kind of, anyway. But um, that's a good question. I mean, uh, are we in contact with the tree and looking at a picture of a tree? Mm-hmm. Well, in some way we are, right? Otherwise we... We couldn't recognize it as a tree and right. all these kinds of things. There's treeness. There's treeness. Of, you, know. you know, assuming you already know what a tree is, if you see a picture, you're There's like, a oh, it's a representation of treeness anyway. Yeah, that's right. I mean, is a picture of Adam? Is it Adam? No. Well, no. It's no. it's 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 some sort of likeness of Adam. Uh huh. 
Right. So, I mean, you can do all this this study on who, you know, Father Gary Goulagrange is. You can understand when he was born, when he died, what books he wrote, what yes. books he read, who he studied under, like how much he wrote you know, regarding, say, Thomas Aquinas. But yeah. if you don't, uh, if you did not get a chance to meet him and sit down with him and have lunch with him or have, you know, share a drink with him or whatever, yeah. do you really know him? Same way with Jesus, right? So you can sit there and read the whole Bible and, under, you know, and know who Jesus is. Yeah, and read his life, read the Passion, uh, even watch the movie The Passion. Mm. But do you have a relationship with? Do you know who he is? Do you have uh, this contemplative life where you actually have a relationship with him? Yeah, that's the difference, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely because I mean, think of I don't want to you know like bash biblical scholars or anything, but it's like nowadays it seems like most biblical scholars, you know, they're involved in like studying the historical Jesus. And like, like you said, they know things about his life and they know, you know, what this author wrote about him and about the Christian movement and so forth. And that's all well and good. But the difficulty is a lot of these biblical scholars aren't, they don't have a relationship with Christ, right. say if you, especially mm -hmm. a sacramental one. And so they're viewing Christ as just an object for historical study. And that so diminishes the person of Christ that you just can't read the scriptures rightly. You can't. Uh, and I th I'm one of those people mm. that thinks that the scriptures can only be read rightly, like 100% rightly, of course, in the bosom of the church, in the liturgy in particular, where the church is living out her life, because it's like a family book. And right. so just like you were talking about photo albums, right? Like you've looked at these pictures all your life, and you have a sense of like, oh, this happened here, this happened here, and you know the significance maybe of these events. It's the same for the church, Right, the church and her tradition is like this this memory, right? Or this pristine memory, and the scriptures are made alive in the context of that. I, I don't want to get off the tangent. Well, about sure, but I mean, but like you there's get, stories you get my in my family. My dad has told these stories a bit. Yeah. Like these are family stories that have been passed down, and I know them. Yeah, and I will. I can tell them word for word. Yeah. The way my dad I can told tell them. them. You can tell them word, <laughs> word for word, word, probably. Yeah. So it's, it's the same with the scriptures. You know, like these yeah. are important stories. Because it's, it, it makes us who we are. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as well as you can tell the stories and as well as Adam can tell the stories, how much more can the church, guided by the Holy Spirit, tell these stories, right? right. And, and, and at least preserve the stories from error, right? So, okay, so the relationship beautiful. of realism and truth. Yeah, so, okay, we talked I mean, about nominalism. Because that kind of... That kind of uh, you know, piggybacks off of that. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about nominalism again. You know, no, no natures or essences, no universals, right? Uh, there's no abstraction. You know, we're not abstracting the form of tree from trees that we see. Mm -hmm. But you can also go. So Saint Thomas is often said to have a kind of moderate realism. So if he has a moderate realism, what do you think extreme or radical realism is? I don't know. Sorry, I'm, I, 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 I'm used so, to asking people questions. Yes, so I mean, I, I, I mean, would, I don't be, would that be more of like a? I, I don't know what you call it, but like if senses, I can't, if, if I can't touch it, can't, can't, if I can't touch it, see it, taste it, smell it, yeah, it doesn't senses. exist. Okay, yeah. So, so you you see that today in a kind of scientism, right? The reduction, scientism, of, yes, reduction of all knowledge to the scientific form of knowledge. Does the number four exist? Well, hey, no, that's exactly what I was talking about with nominalism, because do abstract objects exist? Right. Does four exist? Do mathematical objects yeah. exist? And even in know. math, there are imaginary numbers. That's right. So 
what I was trying to get at is what's kind of on the other side of the extreme from nominalism. Well, it's a kind of a platonic view of the world in which the things we see around us are but shadowy images of the really real, which exists in the, the realm of the forms, right? Where is treeness? It's not in the tree. It's up there. I mean, metaphorically, right? It's, it's in this realm of the really real. It's not in the tree. Mm-hmm. The tree but participates in a very dim way in treeness. Right. But that's not what Aristotle thought. That's not what St. Thomas thought. Right. Treeness is somehow in the tree and in our mind. Right. Albeit in a different way. Right. So when we know a tree, we in some sense, this kind of difficult language, but intentionally we become we become the tree. Right. Again, we don't actually become we the experience, tree. You, the experience of it of it. Uh, helps you understand what it is. Yeah, but the form of tree actually comes to be in your mind. That's mm-hmm. pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the very form of tree, you know? Almost so to the point where if you cool. could, you could create a tree because you understand the essence of treeness. Well, like if, if, you, uh, if you were given power to do so. Yeah, so, so that it gets a little tricky because even when we say we know the essence of a thing, have we comprehended it? Usually not. Yeah. So St. Thomas uh, will say, we can't comprehend the essence even of a single fly. Oh, really? A single fly. And so think about the human person now. You know, you know I, flies I'm, are more complicated than trees, though. I mean, like just... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in some way, flies are much more complicated than trees. But yeah. in other ways, they're not. Um, but think about the mystery of the human person. Like you and, you know, you and Adam, it's like, can I exhaust everything there is to know about you and Adam and knowing man and getting to know you Could all you even know. exhaust everything there is to know about yourself? No. You know what I mean? No. Like, uh, and, and I'm not much of, I'm not one for phenomenology except, you know, in, in small doses. But, but it's like <laughs> the mystery of the human person, there's a depth there that just can't be plumbed uh, right. fully. So that's, that's pretty cool. Okay, so what is that in relationship to Christ? How, how does Christ play a role in yeah, this? Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, well, well, think about this. I mean, we can come to some natural knowledge of God by looking at the world around us. And that's pretty cool, mm-hmm. right? So in knowing things, and not yeah. in an anomalous way, but actually knowing things, we can come to some knowledge that God exists. But Christ reveals God to us in human flesh. He gives us an image that we can actually look at. He's the icon of the Father. So we can talk about that. Uh, okay, more. so if you're listening to the radio right now, go to thecatholicmanshow.com. You can check out the, the rest of this episode. Go also check out thealquininstitute.org. You can go uh, uh, have Aaron or, or Dr. Malosh be on your podcast or come speak to you in your diocese. Uh, we want to thank Dr. Henderson for being here. Uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. Cheers. All right. I'm glad we at least got to the logos. We got at least a little bit to the logos. De- Deacon will be very happy. Christ reveals man to himself and makes his supreme calling clear. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, Gaudium, it says 22. Um, 
That's right. Boom. You just quoted it. I can't quote it. I just know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a famous text, and it's 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 actually well, yeah. But I can't. There's a lot of famous texts oh, I can't oh, quote. Okay. You know, like yeah. So it's, it's, I can only quote like four. So is John three sixteen. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Okay, I got three more. You know. <laughs> well, fair enough. But the reason I know it is because I study nature gray stuff, and that's actually kind of a contentious passage. Because what does that mean? Does that mean we don't know what man is? without Christ becoming, without the, the word becoming flesh. And you can't quite say that, right? Because you don't know what the end is. Well, I don't, th- you, I don't you think you know, fully understand. I mean, like, okay. Okay. So yeah, that's probably part of the answer. Yeah. Cause if you didn't know what man was at all, when Christ came and take, took flesh and became a, a man, you, you couldn't even say that you wouldn't know what it meant. Right. It's just unintelligible. It's like if you didn't know what natural human love was, when charity comes on the scene, the supernatural love of God, it would be unintelligible. It would be this alien force right. coming into the world, into mm-hmm. your life. It would have no, no, nothing to kind of grasp onto. It would okay. be foreign to your experience, into your life, right into your intelligence. But I think it's there in the quote, like Christ reveals man to himself and makes, makes his, his supreme, supreme calling, calling yeah, clear. I th- Not like... His basic calling clear, but his supreme his calling basic clear. Calling. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that's the point. It's like, okay, on the one hand, you have man. You have, you have, you have uh, human nature. Well, what's human nature capable of? Well, you know, all kinds of things. Intellection, volition, you know, uh, as human beings, we can eat and drink, those kinds of things, these natural activities. And we, yeah. can, we can also know God and love God, et cetera. But God also knows of what we are capable with his divine help. And that's mm-hmm. where I told you I would sneak it in. This is where obediential mm-hmm. potency comes in because there's this openness to Say receive obediential potency. Obediential Or you can call it a potency, potency of obedience. No, don't do that. Mm-hmm. No, it's, don't it's, do that. Come it, on. It obediential takes, it takes away from it. Well, you know, it's this kind of crazy term, but it's beautiful because it means that the creature has this ontological openness to whatever God wills to give it. As long as he it doesn't involve a contradiction, like you were talking about earlier, it's like, you know, God doesn't do something that involves a contradiction, and right. so, uh, you know, can can he make a, a stone a son of Abraham? I cannot believe you said that. I was about to use that example, like so. Yeah, it was in the readings recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so God can God can transform a rock into a human, of course. But can he make a rock as a rock a participant in the divine life? No. Right. So the beautiful thing about the human person, about the human being, is we can be made participants in the divine life. We're not ordered to the divine life just naturally. Mm-hmm. But under God's active agency, we can actually attain to God supernaturally. That's beautiful. A rock can't do that. A frog can't do that. Uh, Juan can do that, but his his pet can't do that. I don't know if you have a pet, Juan. But he has a pet frog, a pet. actually. He has actually pet, pet well, frogs. Well, there you go. Your pet. Six of them. Si- oh, my. Yes, six frogs. That's that's intense. I just helped him move his pet frogs recently. Okay. Where? where to where? the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> nice. There's no more he, no more questions. He's, <laughs> <laughs> we're done. You get the rest out. He, <laughs> he's redoing the floors in his yeah. house, and so they had to be moved. Yeah, but but Christ comes in here in a powerful way because, yes, he's the image of the Father. He's the icon of God. And so when he comes into the world, there's a sense in which, like, you know, in iconography, say, yeah. we can actually represent God in our artwork. 
It's not a joke. We can represent God, right? The eternal logos in human flesh. And this is a powerful thing. It changes everything, right? It gives all new meaning to, to the world as sacramental, as somehow pointing and in some sense manifesting divine, you know, uh, spiritual realities. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely powerful. And so uh, looking at images of Christ, you know, uh, with his grace, these can actually lift us up to contemplate uh, the divine mystery and so forth. And so they're a little more powerful than just the pictures we have in our phone, you know, uh, you know, icons or works of theology. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, still, I mean, seeing Jesus in human flesh, how incredible would that be? Right. We, 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 we encounter him in the Holy Eucharist, which is an Even indescribable better, really, gift. Really, yeah. In some ways it is better. But the apostles and Mary Magdalene, you know, apostle of the apostles and all these people, they were given a singular grace of being able to see the Son of God in flesh face to face. You yeah. know, that's pretty incredible. It would have been, yeah. yeah. So this may be a, a dumb question, but so is there a hierarchy of realism? Yes, some things are more real than others. Sure. Is, I mean, that, I, I, is I think, that what you mean? Or? Yeah, no, yeah, I think yeah. I would say humanity is more real than other animals. Yes, I mean, in, absolutely. In, in, in as much angels as angels are more real, angels are in a sense more real than human beings. Right. In as much naturally. as you participate in God's divine life, mm-hmm. you are more real. Yeah. So otherwise, you're just you fall. You're more of a shadow of reality than actually real. Yeah. So so God is God is of co- of course most real, and that's because he's most actual, mm-hmm. right? He's so essay. His essence, essence is, is, is the same existence. as his essay, right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, so his we talked to Carlo Broussard one time. We're like wonderful. We're basically yeah. philosophers over here. Yeah, but that's exactly right. There's no <laughs> distinction in God. Jim between. even knows this. Actually, we talked Jim. to Car- we had to talk to Carlo Broussard 18 times, but like 18 well, hours. 18 hours. Wow. 18 hours. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's less probably than 18 times. Well, no, maybe not. Anyway, but the point is that it was brutal. <laughs> He, he, it was good though. No, I thought it was good. It was I liked great, it. but his patience was. I finally understood the five ways. It's like, well, maybe, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's, there's a lot there. No kidding. So, are you saying that the holier you are, the more real you are? Uh, well, we got to be mm. care- we got to be well, careful. I'm not sure about that. We, we, That's we, a good question. question well, one. we, we got to be careful. So on the one hand, I mean, there's a certain sense in which the answer is yes. I know that sounds yeah. radical, but it is because think about it. If I were to say to you, in becoming holy, do you become more perfectly yourself and more perfectly human? What would you say? Mucho. Yes. That's a, that's that's right. Yeah. And so there's a sense, and, and this is not this is not the ground for boasting. And why is it not a ground for boasting? Because grace given to us by God is gratuitous, right? right? He bestows grace on those whom he wills. It's a free gift. And so, like St. Paul says, we, we never can look at our works and say, I've done such look a at, great look job. At all the look, look at I've me, done. right? Okay. Augustine, you know, he's crowning his own gifts, et cetera. Right. So there's, there's that sense. But yeah, of course, like the more we become perfected in the image of God, the more perfectly human we become, uh, we are, in a sense, more actualized, right? Yeah. We're perfected, and that's what we're called to be. So. Yeah, I mean, and if you just think about it, someone who's living in mortal sin, they have lost, a, like, a reality of themselves. Of course, yeah. And and you can even, I mean, that maybe that's a powerful thing to tell people. I mean, not in a kind of, like, you need to get, in the, not in a finger-wagging kind of way, but say to people, do you know what great gift you had 
and now you've you've lost something that really right added something to you you know it really it really made you better than you are it really lifted you up made you more actual mm-hmm. in a certain respect and now you know you you've th- there's something of there, there's some being that's no longer there and that's kind of unfortunate it reminds me of a couple episodes ago uh, Adam and I were talking about fasting and we were we were discussing how fasting is one of the like uh great paradoxes of the faith mm-hmm. how in denying yourself it's like a death and the more you die the more you like come alive you know the more you in the in this death you gain more self-mastery over your own appetites and as you gain more self-mastery through more and more dying you yeah. actually become more and more alive yeah. more and more of a man at the same time it's just like as you as, worry less about the temporal and more about you can well, have you, more and you just bandwidth have, you, you wield you wield the god, your god-given abilities more like you have more free will mm-hmm. now before you like before you were fasting you had less free will yeah. you were more of a slave right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and now i'm more fully alive because i've died you know, yeah. it's like it's the that I think is the greatest paradox, the whole like death life, you know, like you yeah. have to die so that you can live. Yeah, exactly. So in, in the spiritual life, it's the paradox is precisely that, that the more you give of yourself, the more you receive. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, Christ has those beautiful lines, you know, to the one who much has been given, you know, even that will be taken away in one context. Uh to, who, to he who has little, even what he has will be taken yeah, away. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, so, so anyway, he he's kind of fleshing out the spiritual life, and yeah, it's just a reality that when you give of yourself more, right, the more you love, the more love you receive in return, right? Yeah. There's this kind of interesting spiritual. Uh, I was going to say calculus. I don't know if that's the right term, but sure. you, you, you get my point. We'll go with it. Yeah, we'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. Jim, you said. Juan, do we have any questions? Yeah, you were act. Yeah. Yeah. It. We, you touched briefly on the angelic beings and they being more real Angels, than, yeah. mm-hmm. than humans. How so? Yeah, well, that's a good point. So um, I would say that as you go up the hierarchy of being, which just means the more perfect you get, the more perfect beings you get, the more real they are. And so angels are more real than human beings, uh, in part because they're not tied to matter. And so um, there's nothing more except for God, there's in terms of creatures, there's nothing... What about Mary? Well, okay, so... Mary kind of, like, ruins a lot of stuff sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, not I ruins. Mean, she, 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 like, a lot of, a lot of like... <laughs> Adam's like, be careful, yeah, David, yeah. not ruins. As a slave to her, yeah, I right. will not yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? But. No, no, I understand. So, so we might make a distinction. So are angels uh, superior to Mary naturally? Yes. yes. Yes, they are. But are they superior to Mary in the order of grace? No. Right. So Garagu has an awesome book on this called Mother of the Mother of the Savior, in which he talks about how Mary, we all know this, she was given this like totally unique, singular grace to be the mother of God, to be preserved from all sin, original and personal. But her divine maternity kind of bears on the hypostatic order in a way that our order of grace doesn't. She... Without being God, of course, she's still a creature. She, you know, um, she's not united personally. Mm-hmm. There's to an the infinite word. space between her and God. That's exactly right. Uh, but she is quasi infinitely 
higher than the angels. I mean, mm-hmm. I, she is very, she's very much higher than the angels in the right. order of grace. Because she bore But God. naturally, she, yeah, that's right. But na- and, and again, it's not because of anything she did. Right. Right. God willed from all eternity to bestow this grace upon her. And with God's grace, she accepts it and gives her fiat and so forth. But it's not as though Mary is before the throne of God and says, God, look how good, look how well I, I did. You know, I know you you had me be the mother of God because you knew from all eternity that I would do well. Right. No. No, right. no, 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 no. She, she has a savior just like us. That, that's right. that's exactly right. Saved a little and differently, so, yeah. But Juan, to, to the question, yes, angels are more real than human beings naturally. Uh, they're, they're pure spirits so they're not separated or they are separated from matter. They're not composed of, of, uh, matter and form. Uh, now they are in some manner composed of, of, uh, essence and existence. So, um, but, uh, yeah, even their manner of knowing is superior. They know material things either through God or through their own essences, whereas we have to know spiritual realities through physical things. And so pretty much just in every conceivable manner, angels naturally are, are better than human beings. And like to so. make it more like confusing, so are demons. Of course, yeah. yeah I mean, demons are more real than humans because naturally. Naturally, yeah, yeah, they na- are. Naturally, they are. I think demons in the end calculus, if yeah. we stick with, stick with that word, are, are less, they're like substantially less real. I, yeah, I totally agree. Because yeah. they have degraded their own reality, right? They have yeah. chosen, they have chosen mm. to be less real. They, yeah. th- that was their free will. And yeah. they, they mm-hmm. chose to not participate in reality. Yeah. Uh, naturally, That's still, exactly right. they still participate in, in reality the same way as angels. However, because they no longer have that divine life, you know, the divine uh, life of Christ in them, like, yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's well, the right. I don't know if that's the right verbiage for an angel, you know. But like, you know, they don't. They don't. They don't have that state of grace that we talk about for humanities. Yeah, no, in the, humanity, the, that's exactly right. And and it's funny, or was it's interesting too. Not funny. It's interesting too because, yeah, we can say of the damned that yeah, they're in some manner less real, you know, in the, in that respect, and mm-hmm. they've 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 turned against that which will ultimately and finally fulfill them. So it's such a pitiable state. I mean, it's just almost unimaginably horrible. Yeah. And so that's why we should avoid it. <laughs> so, You know, like that's one of the things about Satan. People like, a lot of people fear, I think a lot of people fear Satan. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think if you understand him, you realize that he is like one of the weakest, the weakest beings on the planet. Not that he cannot wield significant influence. He can influence you know, like uh, because he's given natural abilities to do so, right? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, he is like a dog on a chain, and Christ—it is Christ who says—is the one holding the chain. You know, mm-hmm. who says you may go this far and no further. Yeah. So you know, like for we who have faith, like there is no Satan to fear. Yeah. You know, we who have Christ as our Lord and Savior, who submit ourselves to His will, you know, who's Satan? Like. Who gives a crap? Who gives a crap about that dude? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so what? Oh yeah, I know there's some dude in hell. Like, sucks to be him. I love Jesus. You know that's yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's right. So, so that that's the fundamental mentality we have to have without becoming prideful, because that's precisely right. what he wants. You know, you so don't love yourself. You love Jesus. Right. Yeah. So so there are temptations toward pride in the spiritual life that come with 
knowledge and with all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't ever fall for those. <laughs> yeah. That Jim joke is just Jim. always funny. It's it just always, never is not it funny. It always right. lands. Jim, is there something else? Oh, okay. Uh, Juan was still Shout looking. out to Ryan Robinson for the good questions. Oh, yes. thanks, Ryan. Nice. Uh, patron member. Yeah, so... I feel like so that was a good question. It was a great question. So, you know, St. Thomas is the angelic doctor for a reason. So, you know, read read St. Thomas. And, you know, uh, in the Thomistic tradition, it's interesting because there's a sense that the angels are naturally indefectible. That is... Naturally, they're perfect. So if their falling had to do with just a natural defect, it wouldn't have happened. So in the beginning, they somehow failed to respond correctly to their supernatural inheritance, their supernatural end. Um, They don't have the ability to sin against their natural end. They're perfect naturally. Mm -hmm. That's at least in the Thomistic tradition. Uh, And that's fascinating. Right. Um, hmm. Which makes mm-hmm. sense because they still retain the abilities to do the, like, all, all the angels were, were created with a specific job in mind, right? Like, they, you know, they're given a task to do. Like, even the word angel isn't so much what they are, but but what they do, right? Yeah, yeah. Angelos just means messenger. It's mm-hmm. a, yeah, they, they would be messengers or, you know, like deliverers of something. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they were given a specific job. They still retain naturally because that's part of their essence, you know, and they're they still have those same. Their essence has not changed, right? Because that's part of who they are. Yeah, yeah. So sin does it. That that's a, another cool thing. You're talking about realism. It's like, does sin change what we are? No, right. it doesn't destroy human nature. It doesn't destroy angelic exactly. nature. Uh, but nevertheless, it militates against the goods of nature. It mm-hmm. sure does. I mean, that's why when Saint Thomas is mm. talking about. Um, how sin impacts nature. Does it destroy human nature? Does it, does it like totally erase our inclination toward virtue? No, but it is weakened, right? It is harder for us to attain to virtue. Right. There are roadblocks. Right. So someone, someone who commits immortal sin is not physically weaker. No. Right? They, yeah, can, they can or, bench press the same after they have sinned. Exactly. Yeah. As they could before. But that's not the point. I mean, and the same is so. The same is kind of true with the angels. They were given specific abilities to do specific things as part of who they are. Like that's they're part of their essence. They can still use those same abilities, but now they use them towards towards evil ends instead of towards good ends. However, uh, is still only and always at the bidding and allowance of Christ. Yeah, that's right. God, God is is ultimately. Um you mentioned like rain, the imagery imagery of rains, and I, I think that's good. I mean, God God is is provident over everything, and his his providence is meticulous. So there's no thing that exists over which God is not provident. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, and you don't you don't need to get into the distinctions between like his simple will and you know and 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 uh, he has too he has so many wills. It well, does get confusing. Well, he has one will, but I understand what you're like, saying. Like I I feel like I've got the active and the passive will and I like try to I try to leave it at that. You know what I mean? Yeah, he allows so. certain things but he he like desires other things. Yeah, so 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 uh, sometimes God wills something and if he wills it simply it will it will come to be, right? But other things he he simply permits that would include human sin. So God is not the cause of human sin either directly or indirectly. Right. He's the cause of the of the being of the act. He has to be. Cuz he's the final cause of all it, things. 
Yeah, well, he's not only the final cause, but he's 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 the he's the first cause. He's the efficient cause. So God has to create the act that you're doing. Now, does he create the defect? No, that that is for dumb human beings to do, right? But does he or create stupid angels? Does yeah, but does he create any being that's in that act? Yes, and he must. Mm-hmm. That's at least what. Otherwise, you couldn't do it. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean. Otherwise, you would be saying that there's some actuality, there's some, like we were talking about before, this realism thing, that there's some being in the world that God is not the cause of, and that is not possible. So. Aaron, Dr. Aaron. Dr. Henderson. (laughs) Dr. Henderson. Dr. Aaron. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Yeah, thank you guys so much. I I had a lot of fun. It's been real. I did not finish the bourbon, but it was good. Yeah, I did not either. I was worried about trying to finish it i was worried too i gotta i gotta drive back home so. no, no, I <laughs> well i hear it's it, like 97 percent alcohol 90%. it's 97 percent. yeah trusted source says <laughs> my the, the, yeah my my tongue all the skin is gone so. yeah right. yeah yeah well, thank you so well, much th- yeah thank you guys for having me i appreciate it yeah and we'll have you back on here soon let's i mean there's a, a host of things that we could talk about again of course um i'd, l- I'd love to have you back on is that uh, an angel pun a host. Oh, yeah, nice. I didn't even think of that. I did not. That was not intentional. No. Uh, but go to the alkaneinstitute.org. Uh, you, like I said, you, you guys can have uh, Dr. Henderson or Dr. Malosh uh, out for your parish mission. If you're a uh, bishop listening, like go to the alkaneinstitute.org just so you can see like this is something good to institute in your, in your own diocese. diocese right? Yeah, like, and it's, it's we intended need more, to be a service. Yeah. We need more Alcuin Institutes we're, out there. We're not I, uh, I like. so presuming that bishops listen to our show. but I'm just saying if. If. They, yes. they, they might. No presumption. Maybe in like 100 years. A bishop when pod, like you know, a bishop might like go back, like let me go listen to the old school stuff. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like a hundred years ago, what were they talking about? And they'll find this thing. I pray that they don't listen to us. <laughs> I pray they listen to something better. Just saying, God's will is finicky. God's will be done. Right. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again. I yeah, appreciate thank it. You guys. I right. appreciate it.